Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Psalms 23, 5, are you ready? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Oh, we got to say, we got to say that last part one more time because I, I, I just, I want you to get that in your spirit this morning. Everybody say just that last phrase with me, my cup overflows. One more time, my cup overflows. Lord, I pray, anoint this word. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, that we may be changed by the power of your word. And Lord, I thank you that in this brief moment I have to share your word, that lives will be changed. Lord, that people will be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for that person, your left hip, that person that's been having severe pain in your left hip. Who is that? It's right here. There's like this pinching. Come stand right here. Lord God, I thank you for your healing power in the name of Jesus right now. Right now, we thank you, Lord. Hip be healed. Hip be be healed. That person that's been having pain in your right elbow, who is that? Right here, in your right elbow. Who is that? Come. Lord God, I thank you for your healing. There's somebody else, pain in your right elbow. Lord God, I thank you right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that right now. I thank you, Lord God. Father, we release your healing power Right now, in the name of Jesus, all pain be gone. All pain be gone in the name of Jesus. I want, there's multiple people that's been having severe pain in your abdomen. I want every person that's been having pain in your abdomen area. There's like this. It's almost like someone punched you in the stomach. For some of you that are wondering what's going on, what is happening here? This is, this is the prophetic. There's times where God gives words of knowledge because he cares about you and he loves you. And we always say it this way, God doesn't reveal to condemn, he reveals to heal. And so who, I want every person that's been having pain in your abdomen, just right where you are, just oh yeah, go ahead. Come on up here. You've been having pain in your abdomen. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. There's actually four of you. There's two more. I'm going to wait for two more of you. Pain in your abdomen. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for your healing power. Your healing power, your healing power, your healing power right now. In Jesus' name. Right now, right now, right now. There it is. There it is, right there. In the name of Jesus. 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 Um, that person that's been struggling, is, is it called celiacs? Is that what it's called? Gluten, severe gluten issues, severe celiac disease. Who is, just lift your hand right where you are. You can stay right where you are, just lift your hands. You have gluten, severe gluten issues. You can't eat white flour or anything. Who is, is that you? Who is that person? It's right where you are, lift your hands. I need to pray for you, you need healing. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you. Can I, before, I, before I finish praying for you, I want to share with you a testimony. What a young man that came up to the front. We were praying for people. And he told me, I have celiac disease. I said, I, don't, I have no idea what that is. And so I just prayed for him. And, and I said, you know, Lord, we release your power in the name of Jesus. Just pray for him like I would anybody. Power of God touches him. The 
night before they had gone out to dinner and gotten some soup and they had left some white crackers, you know, the saltine crackers in the car. And he goes, oh, I'm going to test this out. And I didn't know this. He ran out to the car, ate the saltine crackers, came back in the church. Nothing happened. That they go to lunch that day. He says, I'm going to eat something I haven't eaten in a long time. Eats it. Nothing happened. They go back to the mainland. He goes from the mainland. He sends me an email that after that moment, God completely and totally touched him. That is the grace of God. Now, I'm not telling you to go eat saltine crackers. I'm not saying that. But I wanted to build faith in you. God is able. So, Lord, I pray it right now in the name of Jesus. Body, be whole in the name of Jesus. Just that constant, that reoccurring issues with your with your digestive system. Father, I thank you now that you are healing in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, can we give a shout of praise to the Lord this morning? You may be seated. The title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, which I encourage you to do, just take notes on this because I believe it'll be an encouragement to you. The title of my message this morning is anointed. Anointed. Now, I've got to deal with some of the some of the things that surround the misconceptions that surround the anointing, because we use that word a lot, especially in a Pentecostal church, you'll hear a pastor use the phrase or the word, the terminology, oh, I feel the anointing, or I'm anointed for this. And I know your pastor, because I, pre- I listen to him preach all the time, so I know he deals with the topic of anointing. But for maybe some of you that have never been exposed to the understanding of what the anointing is, and I, I want to simply put it this way. If you, if you can look at it, that the anointing, simply put, is the mark of God upon our life. But it is also the empowering of God upon our life. The anointing, simply put, is the calling, which is a distinction, and the work of the Holy Spirit. It is vocational and it is functional. I'll say that again. It is what? Vocational and it is functional. See, they would, they would anoint kings. They would anoint priests in the Old Testament that would anoint them to a calling. David was anointed. He was called to be king. But when we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, that there is a functionality that exists when the Spirit comes upon you so you can function in the supernatural. So if you can understand the anointing, the anointing exists to mark you and to call you to something, but also so that you can function in supernatural power. So we need the anointing. But can I I deal with kind of a little bit of a myth? See, I I, want to deal with a lot of times the the issue that myself, I I just say I, I struggle with. See, I'm called to be a pastor, but sometimes my calling can get me into trouble. Because if I'm simply, if I see myself as simply called to a, a vocation, I miss what I'm really truly called to. See, I am first and foremost called to Christ. My identity, my vocation, my everything, I'm called to Christ. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm just letting you know, I'm not called to be a pastor. You're not called to be a business person. You're not called to be a a nurse, a doctor. You're called to Christ. That is your initial calling. And everything you do flows out of that. Now, can I tell you why that's so important? Is because if I don't get that right, then I can be led astray by my 
calling and become enamored with my calling, which is the thing that I do, and I miss God. Because my call is first to Christ, I have to make sure that I'm walking in the anointing. I've got to make sure that I understand that this thing that I do called pastoring comes out of my relationship with him. I can't neglect my time with the Lord. Friends, I know you say, well, pastor, I don't really need the Holy Spirit as a doctor or a nurse or a businessman or businesswoman or an architect. Yes, you do. Why? Because your initial calling is to Christ. And if it's not flowing out of that relationship, it's off. That's your initial calling. And that's why we have to have the anointing. We've got to have the marking because I know a lot of people, they're really good at stuff, but they're not walking in what they're marked for. (laughs) We need the anointing. His anointing marks you and his anointing empowers you. And why this is so important is because we see first and foremost as we look and begin to extrapolate from this passage in Psalms 23, we see something so powerful. The table, the table is a symbol of distinction, a distinguishing of position. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now, can I tell you this? God elevates. Now, let's just talk about this table because a lot of people, when they read that passage, the, the picture they get, and I've, I've been a pastor for a long time, so I've, I've heard lots of people give me their, their understanding of this passage where they think that God actually sits them around a table, sits them at a table that's surrounded by their enemies. And that every chair, there's some, ta- you know, there's an enemy there and an enemy there. and an en- That's not what this is saying at all. What David is saying is that God puts me on a table which represents authority and favor. The table symbolizes authority and what? Favor. That in the midst of my enemies, in the midst of the dysfunction that is surrounding me, the midst of the problems, God prepares a place of authority and favor. And it doesn't matter who's surrounding me. He doesn't have to, God doesn't have to get permission from somebody else on what position he wants to put you in. God doesn't have to get permission from your neighbor on how much he wants to bless you. He says, I'm going to, in the midst of your enemies, with enemies surrounding you, all around you, looking, wanting to hurt you and kill you, he says, I will raise you up and I will put you in a place of authority and favor. He prepares a place for us. Even in the midst, even in the midst, surrounded by problems, surrounded by threats, he prepares a place before me in the presence of my enemies. A place of distinction. A place of honor. Oh, man. You, see, you got to, when you begin to, I, I challenge every single one of you this week, just begin to get in the Bible and research the table. See, the people back in those days, not everybody got to sit at a table. Only the people of distinction and the people of honor, the people of prestige, people that carried authority sat at the table. Friends, can I tell you, this is a table moment for you. Look at that person next to you and say, this is your table moment. Doesn't matter what's surrounding you. Doesn't matter what else is going on. This is your moment of honor. Come on, this is your moment of favor. 
But can I tell you what's so amazing when I, when I look at this passage? The psalmist begins to under, give us a revelation of the understanding that he has concerning the confidence that comes with the position God gives. The confidence that comes with the position God gives. There's not an arrogance. Friends, there's, there's not an arrogance. See, when you do something on your own, outside of grace and outside of the favor of God, it's very easy to become arrogant. But I love the words of Paul the Apostle. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. So you, there's a confidence that comes when you know that the position you're sitting in is not in and of yourself. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't do it. It is only by the grace and the favor of God that I walk in this confidence. And this is what's wonderful. When, when it's done by your own, in your own strength and by your own hand, friends, it, it's so temporal. Sometimes it's just like it's fleeting. You, I, I don't know. It, it may not last. I don't know about you, but when I build things by my own hand, I, I do get a little concerned on how, how well it's going to last. And I, I built a doghouse one time. I did. It was, no, it didn't work. I had nails all over the place. I mean, I had boards, like, I, I didn't use it. I thought, you know, I was trying to cut things and put things everywhere. I saw my grandpa do it, and so I thought I could do it. That thing fell apart. My poor dog was in it when it fell. <laughs> but you see, the confidence that when I went to Lowe's, I know some of you probably have issues with Lowe's, but when I went to Lowe's and you buy a doghouse at Lowe's, oh, I'm, I'm pretty confident. See, the confidence that I have is not on my own strength and my own ability. My confidence is that there's an everlasting God that has everlasting power. That his power won't fade. His love won't fade. His salvation <laughs> won't fade or diminish. That's where, my, that's where I derive my confidence from. My confidence is in him. And my confidence cannot come and is not derived by the position that I stand in. It comes by my relationship with God and the confidence that the psalmist has. He says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, plays a, he makes a place for me of distinction and favor and honor and authority. And that's where I put my confidence is in him. Friends, this position, the favor of God in your life should bring confidence so that when you leave this place this morning, you know and you're convinced that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That you got a God, a living God that is active and moving in this world on your side. And see, we have to, we have to realize that in this, God has, God has a desire. Yeah, God, God's desire to position you. He, he, he's got a very interesting desire. See, God deals with us, and I want you to write this down. God will always deal with me before he deals with my enemies. Please write that down. God will always, God will, God will always deal with me before he deals with my enemies. Because when I look at this passage, can I tell you, I, I have a little bit of a problem with this passage. Because the psalmist is saying, Lord, you prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. I'm like, I don't like that. I want to be surrounded by loved ones and people that like me. I don't want to be surrounded by people that are against me. He said, God, why don't you deal with the enemy? Like, that's, that's how I would write the psalm, right? It's like, God, you wipe out my enemies, and then you prepare a place. 
God, why, why would you allow the psalmist, why, why, why would you allow David to be surrounded by his enemies? Yes, Lord, I understand you created a position of favor and authority and honor, but, 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 but why, God? And I, as I begin to pray and just seek the Lord, I, I, I got a revelation. It's because without your enemies, we lack the revelation we need to deal with the inside. We want God to deal with our enemies first so we can have peace. God desires <laughs> our maturity. Can you have peace in the midst of a storm? Can you have peace even though everything is around you? See why sometimes God will allow your enemies to surround you. They can't touch you, but they can surround you. Why? So things can get revealed inside. So that the anger, the fear, the anxiety, the bitterness. Oh, can I, can I be transparent with you? Oh, man, God rebuked me. I, I, God rebuked me hard the other day. I was watching news, which I don't recommend. And I'll be honest with you, I just, I just made a statement. Just kill him, God. Just kill him. And I felt, I felt justified. I felt justified because David said it in the Bible, right? I was like, David said, just kill him, God. Kill all my enemies. And I was like, just kill him. And the Holy Spirit's like, really? Really? Stop being so enamored with what's going on around you. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do the work inside of you. God, why haven't you dealt? Why haven't you dealt with my ex-husband? Why haven't you dealt with my family member? God, why haven't, why haven't you dealt with my child? God, how come you haven't dealt with my pastor? Come on. Can I, can I tell you? Can I? It's, I heard some truth down there. Amen. Whoa, whoa. Sorry. Friends, God's, God's more concerned about what's going on on the inside of you than what's going on around you. you. Please get this. Please don't leave this place without this revelation. God is more concerned on what's going on on the inside of you than what's happening around you. Do you think that maybe God wants to develop some stuff inside of you so that you have the power and the authority to activate the strength that he's given you to deal with the enemies? God, I, we see a lot, a lot of us want God to deal with our enemies, but he don't want, we don't want him dealing with us. But if you want true victory, if you want true victory, there's a dealing that has to happen. Everybody said, he prepares a place for me in the presence of my enemies. But the second thing that we see in this passage is it begins to really quantify and establish the understanding of the anointing. It says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint, you anoint my head with oil. Now, I love, can I, can I just tell you a, a simple biblical fact of 
the Old Testament that it was actually wrong. The, the, the priests were required everywhere they went, just like people in Alaska, everywhere you go, you have to have a firearm. In the... <laughs> everywhere you go, it's either a big old knife or a machete on the side of your hip or a big old gun. Anyway, it's just letting you know, I love it! Anyways... <laughs> In Hawaii, you can be arrested for a pocket knife, like one of those Swiss Army pocket knife things. Did you just flip your spoon at me? <laughs> You're going to jail. I'm telling you, that's Hawaii, man. Hawaii, Hawaii, you have to ask for permission to breathe. But anyways, I'm just saying, communism at its finest. All right, here we go. I love you. All right. So where were we? The anointing. <laughs> wow. Can you delete that for me? It was actually the responsibility, a requirement of the priests that everywhere they went, they carried a jar of oil. See, because their primary function was to anoint. We are kings and priests. Friends, your, your primary function is that everywhere you go, you got to be ready to anoint. You got to be ready to pour out some oil. I said, you got to be ready to pour out some oil. We need the anointing of the Lord. We need his presence. It says, you anoint my head with oil. And, and you got to realize something, friends. I love, can I tell you what I love about this psalmist? This is, I know enough English to know this is present tense, not past tense. It's whether you anointed my head. See, David could have very easily derived the understanding, the anointing from that moment he had when Samuel came and anointed his head with oil. But he, he has this revelation of how the anointing works. The anointing is not just a one-time thing. It's a, it's a perpetual thing. It's constant. You anoint. You anoint. You anoint every day. I need to get anointed. I can't rely. See, a lot of people rely upon the past anointing. The moment they got anointed, oh man, and we're always talking about the good old days, but what about the, the new day? What about being anointed and refreshed in the, the new day? What about the new, fresh anointing? You anoint my head, the urgency, the need, the necessity to say, God, I gotta have you today. I can't leave my room. I can't leave my house. I can't, can I tell you, can I just be honest with you? There are moments in my life where I've been at work all day and I pull into my griage. And I'm sitting there, garage, sorry. When I get excited, I make up words. Leave me alone. I put, hey, if Bishop Hooks gets to do it, I pull into my garage. And when I, when I pull into my garage, can I tell you, there are moments where I realize something. I just got done ministering to people all day long. Now, I have a choice to make. I can get out of my car, tired, weak, don't want to see anybody, don't want anybody to talk to me, and miss the opportunity to minister to my beautiful wife and three amazing kids. And there are actually moments I'll pull in the garage. My kids are like, Dad, why were you in the garage so long? Because I was getting anointed. I'll be honest with you, I was sitting there praying in the Holy Ghost because I realized I just spent all day ministering to a church, now I gotta go minister to my family. 
It doesn't stop. The moment I get home, ministry doesn't stop. You're telling me I will work on getting anointed for a congregation but fail to get anointed for... I got to realize that he anoints, he anoints. Somebody say, he anoints. He anoints my head with oil. Can I tell you this? This is what's so profound about the anointing. Within scripture, the anointing just, it didn't just mark you, it changed you. The anointing changes you. You get that anointing on you, it changes everything inside of you. That word, that word anoint in, in the Hebrew, and I love this word. It's the word dashan, and it means to make fat. You're like, oh, that's why you like the word. It means to make fat, to become prosperous, to be anointed. And see, the misconception, can I tell you the misconception a lot of us have is a little dabble, do you? So not only, not only with the anointing do we rely upon past moments and past encounters with God. Well, I had, a, I had a great early morning prayer time this morning. Good. What are you doing to stay? But what I love is this, this understanding of that anointing is to make fat. You see, a lot of us will be like, oh, Pastor, I, I, I spent 20 minutes. I spent 10 minutes in prayer today. The anointing was never a little dabble. Can you imagine if Samuel would have come with this? And you see, you gotta, you gotta understand something. A lot of us don't get this. When Samuel showed up to the house, it wasn't just him by himself. He had an entourage. You know why he had an entourage? Because he couldn't carry the amount of oil by himself necessary to go ahead and anoint a new king. See, because he didn't just come up, he didn't just come up to David and be like, touch. Touch wasn't that at all because they realized something in the old testament a little dab won't do you because the anointing was meant to drench even in the old testament they had a revelation of how the anointing worked the anointing wasn't just a little touch it was a saturation it was just coming upon it was a drenching and so here samuel anoints david as king and you know what he does he grabs a bucket Listen, it wasn't a tiny little horn of oil. You know, like, perfect. It was a horn. It was a tuba of oil. It was just a, it was a tuba. It was a horn of oil. And he didn't just go, I think that's enough. Drenching. Drenching. Friends, I've got to tell you something. There's a drenching. The anointing is this concept of drenching. we got to get drenched. Stop thinking that you can get anointed because you said our Father this morning. Pastor, I spent five minutes in prayer. Good for you. Are you drenched? That would be like me saying, oh, I spent two minutes in the shower. Please don't do that. That is not of God. Well, Pastor, I just washed, I washed my pits this morning. That's, that's all I need. What is wrong with you? Like, how much, how much longer? Oh, and, and this is a great thing, too. We, we want to put time on God. Well, Pastor, I, I prayed for 30 minutes. And you think God's actually sitting there counting. Good, good boy. 
You made it to 30 this morning. I'm so proud of you. We are proud of you. Say, we are proud of you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, okay. And we actually think God is up there. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You made it to early morning prayer. You are amazing. He doesn't care how long you prayed for. What his desire is that you get drenched. Stop relying on a little dab. Get drenched. Say, Lord, I'm not leaving here till I'm drenched. I'm not leaving here till I'm dripping. I'm not leaving the church this morning till I'm dripping. I'm not leaving my prayer closet until I'm dripping with oil. Can I ask you a question? Are you so saturated that you drip all over the place? Brother, you're spilling oil all over the place. You walk into, you walk into, Cars. Is that, is that what you guys have here? Freddie Myers, Fred Myers? Dripping. My grandfather was a dripper. He was obnoxiously dripping. You ever met that person who was just like, oh. And, and they're just, they're a testament of the, the emaciation in your own life. You know what I mean? It's like my grandpa irritated me because he was so anointed and he was so dripping and drenching with the anointing that you're just like, I feel so not anointed. I feel backslidden. And he would walk into back. I, I think you guys have 7-Elevens here. Do you guys have 7-Elevens here? No, you guys don't have 7-Eleven? That's probably a good thing. He, he'd, walk, he'd walk into gas stations that have grocery stores and he'd walk in. You are great. Grandpa, this ain't church. I would be so embarrassed. Grandpa, this is not church. You do miracles. He was an opera singer. So great. He sounded like the lion on the Wizard of Oz. And he walks, he walks in, and he's just singing at the top of his lungs singing a worship song, and he would scare. I remember one time we walk into a gas station, and he said, you deserve the glory, like that. And the lady at the front desk goes, oh, my God. Holy freak, I had a heart attack. See, a lot of us want to change our world, but we don't want to get drenched. A lot of us, us want to have a healed marriage, but we don't want to get drenched. Pastor, what do, I, what do I need to know? How much anointing do I need to have just to get by? That's not how the anointing works. A little dab won't do you. The anointing is getting drenched. The anointing is dripping. Are you dripping in your marriage? Are you dripping with your kids? Are you dripping in the church? Come on, are you dripping at the grocery store? Are you getting drenched? Pastor, how dare you challenge people to pray more? I'm not challenging you to pray more. I'm challenging you to get drenched. Look, I got a nine-year-old son. I have a nine-year-old son. Do you know how a nine-year-old takes showers? You know how many times I, son, did you take a shower? Yes, daddy. He turned on the water, let the water touch him, and he gets out. His hair's not wet. Nothing's wet. How did this work? Son, you cleaned off. Did you use soap? What's soap? Come on. 
we're, we're a bunch of, when it comes to the anointing, we're a bunch of nine-year-olds. You'd be sitting there in counseling. <laughs> You'd be sitting there in marriage counseling with your pastor. Did you do this? Okay, did you do this? Pastor, how dare my, my son gets angry. Dad, stop. Son, did you wash your hair? Leave me alone. Did you use soap? Stop it. You get irritated at Pastor. Did you read your word this week? Oh, I'm, I'm sick and tired of going to that church. You always tell me to get anointed. Look, I was a youth pastor. Do you know how many times on mission trips we had to do smell checks? Hey, you may, you may think, listen, 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 let me, let me, listen, Linda, listen. You need to hear this. You, you need to hear this. There were moments as a youth pastor, you could smell them coming. Like you had to, you had to rearrange. You had to, whew, sorry, I'm going back in time. You had to rearrange the entire format of the building and the service because if you were downwind, nothing would happen. I needed the wind blowing that way. Come on, Jesus, let it blow, Jesus. Just open the windows. I mean, you would get in a van. Uh-uh. Wait for it. Oh, Jesus. You know, can I tell you, you, you get to the point where we don't even have to ask you, did you take a shower? Did you pray today? Did you brush your teeth? We know because you stinketh. There ain't, I'm sorry, I love you, but there ain't no anointing on that. How dare you tell me to pray? How dare you, dare you tell me to read my word? How dare you challenge me to speak in tongues and get filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we want you drenched. We need him. Friends, if you, if you don't recognize, if you never recognize the need of the anointing, you'll never chase after it. David had a revelation of the necessity, the anointing. It was an imperative in his life. So it produced the passion and the pursuit in David. That's why David would say something so outlandish and audacious. My soul chases hard after thee because I need you. Oh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What was it? He was passionate about the anointing and he would not settle for just a dab. He needed a drenching. But you know what's amazing that? says, you prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. What is, what is the cup a metaphor for? The cup is the part of our life that holds everything together. What, is, what does David mean? What does the psalmist mean when he says, he, my, my, my cup overflows, my life Everything that I am, everything that is touched by the anointing, everything that, that is impacted by the anointing, it overflows out of my life. 
I want to read a couple passages to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Friends, can I, can I challenge you? You're either going to be a vessel of honor or dishonor. And can, can, you know what's scary? is in the house of the Lord. We ain't talking about in some tax collector's house or in some sinner's house. It's in the house. In God's house, there are going to be vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Are you a vessel of honor? Have you committed your life to say, everything I do, I want to be a vessel of honor where God is glorified. God is magnified through the way I talk, through the way I live. Can I tell you, you say, well, Pastor, how can you be a vessel of dishonor in the church? What is your mouth saying? Are you a vessel of gossip? Are you a vessel of dissension? Are you a vessel of lust and greed? I had to deal with something a couple weeks ago where I had somebody that was in our church on Oahu trying to convince people that the tithe is no longer relevant. I said, what? I felt bad that we had to shame them because there's this thing called the Bible. (laughs) It teaches us to tithe. Well, Pastor, that's Old Testament stuff. Uh, That's law. Oh, I'm so sorry because the tithe was actually, the tithe was implemented before the law even came about. It's pre-law because it's covenant. It's relationship. So here, here they are trying to feed dissension. Are you going to be a vessel of honor or dishonor? Sometimes it can be very deceptive, can it? Because we have this, we have this experience with God of, Can I tell you, the devil was in the tangible, unadulterated presence of God. And yet, he allowed pride to creep into his heart. Can I tell you, just because you're in church, not everything you hear that comes to your mind or comes to your feeling in the middle of church is of God. Sometimes, some of those thoughts that you have about people ain't God. Some of the, sometimes, even in, even in the middle of worship, man, the tangible presence of God is here. The devil's still trying to feed you with lies. Come on, somebody. If he can do it in the unadulterated presence of God in heaven, why can't he do it here? Matter of fact, this is where he wants to get it done. Because he, he wants you to leave this place deceived, fearful. He wants you to leave this place angry and bitter. Because he knows, man, if you, can, if you hear what the Lord is saying, that's why I pray. Every time I get up to pray, I say, Lord, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Because I know that there are blockages, there are, there are hindrances that the enemy is trying to bring. You've got to make a decision. Why? Because your cup will flow over. John chapter 7, this is going to be my final passage, John chapter 7. Verse 38, he who believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. That word living water, the word living is the word za'on. And it means 
not lifeless, to enjoy real life, to have true life and worth. A life that comes from the kingdom. And you're, are you ready for this? That word zao actually means evidence of life. Evidence of life. Where's the evidence? Not only do you prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies, not only do you anoint my head with oil, but my cup, my life shows forth the evidence of what's going on. There's evidence. There's evidence in the way I talk. There's evidence in the way I live. There's evidence in the way I love. There's evidence in, in, in what surrounds my life. I've become a vessel of honor, and there is evidence. Minister Michael, will you come? Can I tell you something? And I share this story all the time with this young man who's drinking water from the puddles of the streets of L.A., out of his ever-loving mind. Crazy, wild, drugged out, filthy, depraved. And yet now he's your pastor. No, 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 let me. <laughs> no one on planet Earth can convince me there is no God. Do you know why? No, 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 do you know why? He's the evidence. The only explanation, the only explanation on why you are sitting here in this church is not because you chose God, but because he chose. You are the evidence. You are the evidence of a living, breathing God. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, for they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You are the living evidence. What is flowing out of your life? Lord, let there be evidence that comes out of my life of your goodness and your power and your salvation and your freedom. I am the evidence. I choose today to be the evidence. For Lord, you have prepared a place for me, a place of power, a place of authority, a place of favor and distinction. You have prepared a place for me even in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed me. You have anointed my head with oil. Lord, let there be a drenching in my life. Jesus, let there be a drenching in our lives. And Lord, let our cups overflow. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.